what we believe about others impacts how we relate to them. If we think someone's a bad person, we steer clear of them, generally speaking. So if I'm waiting for my wife, Joan, to come home from shopping, and uh, which she enjoys doing, and she's much later than I expected, I have a variety of responses um, depending on my love for her and how much I believe that she loves me. If I really love her, then I'll be concerned um, as to whether she's all right, if she's you know, taking a long time. If I doubt her love for me, then I might get impatient waiting for her return. Or also, if, I, if, I, if I'm listening to the accuser, <laughs> so she's late because she doesn't care, <laughs> then I might also be tempted to be impatient. What I believe about her determines my response to her when she comes home. And a similar thing's true in terms of our relationship with God. What we believe about God will determine um, our response to God in what happens in our lives. Think about these following scenarios. One Christian um, prays and their house is saved from bushfires. Another Christian prays and their house is destroyed. One Christian prays and they're healed. Another Christian prays and they're not healed. Is God capricious, answering some prayers and not others? Is God good for the, to the first person but not the second? Is God good some of the times or all of the time? When things go wrong, do we blame God? because we believe that he is um, in control. Although a better way of seeing it is that he's in charge. And someone recently gave me this illustration that um, parents can be in charge of their home, but it doesn't mean they can control what the kids do. <laughs> Those who are parents can identify. Okay, so something similar about God. So the challenge when we experience particularly um, negative things in life, is how we respond to God. Some, certainly in experience of many of us, it doesn't seem as if God is good all the time. But it's unwise to allow our, our experience to um, determine our theology. Because we might actually wrongly believe that um, believing in God means nothing bad's going to happen to us, which... Just that does not happen that way. And nowhere in scripture does it actually say, believe in me and nothing bad is going to happen. In fact, um, scripture actually warns us, what Jesus actually warns us, that in the world we will have tribulation. Peter says also, don't be surprised when we encounter severe trials. And nowhere does the God promise that uh, bad things won't happen to those who believe in his son Jesus. So it's important that um, scripture and not our experience determines our theology. So what does the scripture say about God? Most of us would say, well, the first thing that comes to mind is God is love. But if we actually look at scriptures, even though they, you do have some scriptures which say God is love, the most common description of God in the scriptures is that God is good. 
um, that he's good and he doesn't change. In Malachi we read, I am the Lord, I do not change. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So the psalmist is actually expecting that um, no matter who's doing it and when, uh, God, they get their experience of God will be that he is good. Again, the psalmist says, good and upright is the Lord. Good are you, Lord, and you do good. So part of God's character being good means that everything he does is good. <coughs> His justice is good. You might not understand it, but it is good. His mercy is good. His love is good. His faithfulness is good. Goodness is what he does and also who he is. Indeed, you could say this, as, as we say, the standard for loving is God. The standard for goodness is God also. If we want to see perfect goodness, we look to him. And indeed, the uh, Anglo-Saxon word for God actually means the good. Right? So they got it right at that time. And we can find these declarations that God is good in every section of scriptures, um, through the Psalms, through the um, historical books, through the prophets, um, in the New Testament as well. And we see the fullness of his goodness actually in his son Jesus. And his coming into the world is spoken of in Titus as when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared. So Jesus' coming um, shows the goodness and kindness of God. And the author of Hebrews calls Christ a high priest of the good things that have come. And so we see the fullness of God's love expressed in Jesus, but the fullness also in terms of his goodness. He healed all those who came to him. He declared his goodness in saying, I am the good shepherd. Um, he went around doing good, for God was with him. We don't see Jesus do anything bad. <coughs> in our Old Testament reading, uh, Moses asked to see God's glory and what he saw was God said, I will show my goodness to you. And so here God's saying, if you want to see me, you actually see my goodness. That'll pass, um, that'll, um, pass before you. And indeed, this experience of uh, God, uh, Moses' um, experience of God's goodness actually meant that um, when he came away from that experience, his face glowed. So it's almost like he was touched by God's goodness and actually showed um, the and even though he'd had other experiences of God praying to him, uh, his face never shone. And when we read the scriptures, this is the only time in which his face shone, when he saw God's goodness. So it really impacted his life. Then in today's uh, New Testament reading, we see that um, uh, when the rich young ruler says, um, good teacher, Jesus says, no one is good but God alone. And so I'm saying, if you want to see perfect goodness, you actually you can only look to God, no one else. And if you look at any of us, <laughs> we fall short. We might be good some of the time, but definitely not all of the time. As our spouses might testify. <laughs> now, faith in God's goodness is actually tested, um, and I think that sometimes it's even test. Yeah, you know, sometimes we can yeah you know, we make excuses for ourselves when we know. 
recognise we've our shortcomings. We think, well, okay, I'm just suffering from my shortcomings. But down through the ages, uh, even people who were really close to God still had bad things happen to them. Um, some of you might have heard of Teresa of Avila, who was a great intercessor. And, um, but throughout her life, she suffered from severe migraines. Right? So a closeness to God didn't mean that she didn't experience pain. Um, Brother Lawrence, who wrote the, the lovely book, Practicing the Presence of God, um, struggled with severe doubt, gout, most of his life. And also the um, famous um, Baptist preacher, um, Charles Spurgeon, also had severe gout, so, so, so much so that he struggled to put his socks on in the morning without, without experiencing pain. And so there's that sense of just being close to God doesn't ex- mean that you don't experience um, suffering. Indeed, if we can think about Paul and his thorn in the flesh, um, ask God to take it away from him. God said, sorry, son. <laughs> my, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Think about the, um, the Beatitudes um, in terms... Sometimes one of the things we struggle with in terms of understanding God's good is our, our idea of God's goodness is not what his idea is. Think about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Gee, well, we wouldn't think those, those places were really places of blessing. We're saying, well, oh, I don't want to be poor in spirit or, or have to mourn or be persecuted. Um, but God says there's a blessedness that actually comes out of it that's actually good for you. Because the reality is that God is more interested in our character than our comfort. And so we read in Romans 5, We rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. So somehow there's that sense when we go through the trials, um, as we trust in God and our character actually grows and our trust in God grows, the sense of um, that he was with me in that trial and he's brought me through. Right? So we have a testimony when we go through trials, when other people are going through it, it's like, hey, I went through it and God got me through it. He can get you through it. But we have no trials, no pain, no sickness. What do you say to other people who've got sickness? Hey, something wrong with you. <laughs> Just, you must be doing something wrong. It's not a good answer. When we doubt God's goodness, one of the results is, is sin. Think about the Garden of Eden when Eve doubted God's goodness because of what the, the enemy said. Um, she was led to um, eat of the fruit of the tree of good knowledge of good and evil. So when we start to doubt God's goodness, we tend to pull back from our greatest strength and actually not experience something of the grace and help that he'd want to, for us to have at that time. Indeed, when you start to doubt God's goodness, then some of the scriptures, some of the precious promises that God gives in scripture um, don't have that same impact. Think about the verse that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, that's good if you know God is good to you and God all the time, 
But if you doubt God's goodness, what does it mean that he, God's for you? Right? He's going, he might let you down. Right? No. Um, the psalmist uh, picked up on this too, that um, he, he recognised trusting God's goodness meant that life was not hopeless. And so in Psalm 27 verse 13 he says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he's saying, one of the reasons that I have hope is I know that God's going to turn up. When, how, I don't know, but I know he will. And so when we trust God's goodness, we don't blame him for wrong things that happen. Um, Abraham said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And so we, we say we don't blame God for evil, we, we blame the devil, whose job description is he's come to rob, kill and destroy. So sometimes we wrongly believe that when bad things happen, they're all God's fault. <laughs> We've got an enemy who wants to trip us up and um, de- destroy us, um, destroy our relationships. And so rather than blame God, we say, hey, this is a sign that the enemy's at work. Or it could be the sign of sin in our own lives or the sin in other people's lives that is at work also, but not God. We have that precious promise um, in Romans 8.28, which is one dear to my own heart. In everything, God works for good for those who love him. And so that promise means that if it's not good yet, it's not the end. Because in the end, it will work out for my good if I am trusting in him. The founder of a religious community who I've actually did meet many years ago, has passed away now, a woman who was greatly used by God, often declared this saying, which has been good to me as well. Father, I don't understand you, but I trust you. The doctor who treated her over the period of the last nine years of her life for an exceptionally rare and painful sickness, extremely resistant to therapy and in which she suffered intensely, shared at her funeral, in her pain and illness, she glorified Jesus. What was the secret? She exemplified the assurance of being a child of God. Her faith, her implicit trust in God and his goodness and her love for the Father Son and Holy Spirit were inspiring and infectious. So he was someone who, in the midst of pain, severe pain, over many years, uh, whose belief in the, the goodness of God strengthened her to endure, and then so, and as a result, actually impact the lives of those round about her for good. And we think about Jesus when he was on the cross and suffering on the cross. The Roman centurion, out and out unbeliever, looked at him and said, surely this is the Son of God. So there's something about trusting God in the midst of trials that actually speaks to people who are looking for answers. And so here's the encouragement for us to continue to actually trust in God's goodness when things aren't going the way in which we expect. Faith is tested and faith in God's goodness is tested. And so the challenge for us is to say, um, when we don't understand, Lord, I don't understand this, but 
I just trust your goodness and you're going to bring good out of this. How, I don't know. When, I don't know. But I know that you will because you are faithful. I might be faithless at times, but you are the faithful one. May God give us grace to ever trust in his goodness, particularly when things aren't going the way we'd like. Amen. Amen. Father God, give us grace. It's easy to um, mentally acknowledge stuff, but it's harder to actually live it out. And Lord, we thank you that you are at work within us to will and work your good pleasure. And part of that is just trusting you and your goodness. And in your goodness, you've created us good works for us to walk in. Lord, help us to trust you and do those good things which show forth that you're a good God and uh, you care for, for people. In Jesus' name, amen.